Thank you. Thank you, Creative Arts Team. We really appreciate that. Those gave us some great images. I mean, can you imagine Christ himself holding you like that, walking with you? You get the images with the light, the light of Christ, the robe, red, the blood of Christ, being clothed in his righteousness, those things. Little symbols, but mean a lot for us very weak and frail humans who are traveling as pilgrims on this earth. I know that um, when we talk about fear, that uh, sometimes we feel uh, very much a victim to our fears. And today, I want to share something with you that comes from the Word of God that, that really indicates something different, that we don't have to be victims of our fear. And, uh, and so some of it is going to be a little... A little different. It, it may be uh, a surprise to you, something that you've never heard before, uh, because you never heard someone uh, talk about fear in this light. So, but let me uh, just share just a little story with you first. Uh, my wife and I, uh, when our kids were a bit younger, and uh, we still needed babysitters, and the oldest wasn't old enough to be at home and watch the others, we uh, went out for an evening, uh, left the kids home with the babysitter, went out, had a great time, came back home, and and, you know, as we pull up in the driveway, uh, we see the lights are all down in the house. And that's a good sign because the babysitter succeeded, getting the kids in bed. Yay. And, uh, and so we walk in the door, and the house is quiet. That's good. But uh, it was a little too quiet. And, and the babysitter didn't come and greet us at the door, and, and we didn't see her. And, and so we called out, and she didn't respond. So we got a little nervous, and, and, and both Sherry and I went around the little circle that went back to the, the family room. And as we were heading back to the family room, uh, there was our babysitter. And she was, she was leaning back, and she was kind of laying like this on the couch with kind of gripping an arm or, or the back of the couch and kind of frozen there on the couch. And she was staring in terror at something on the floor. And we couldn't see it at first, but then we looked, and there, there was a, a spider, maybe about that big, on the floor. And she had been paralyzed there. And, 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 and you know, when we first walked in the room, what, what, what's wrong? And, and Rochelle said, it, it's a spider. I mean, she said it like that. She could barely talk. And, and she had a fear of spiders, so much so that it froze her. It paralyzed her. Now, some of you might be like, man, that is so unreal. I can't believe that. And then there's others of you that are like, no, I know about that. <laughs> them spiders are dangerous. You don't mess around with them. And so, you know, everybody comes from a different perspective about what we fear. And, and we have different things in our heads that tell us whether, okay, well, I know this about spiders, and so that makes me afraid. Or, I know this about spiders, and spiders are all right. And it is, there is something about what we think that changes about whether we fear or we don't fear. So just a little thought, just, just plant right there with that story. But when you look around uh, in America, and, and probably right here in this room, uh, we could probably go around and share what maybe our, is our fear, what maybe uh, paralyzes us. And, and it's, it's when you go down the list of fears, it really is endless. I mean, it's so much so that you realize that there's something going on with fear. I mean, it is, 
is a formidable thing in this country. I mean, we have people that, that fear loneliness. They fear lack. I have a neighbor that uh, every time the cupboards would go bare and the refrigerator would start getting depleted, she would panic. She started to be afraid. We fear rejection. Some of us fear heights. My, my son, uh, one of my sons fears heights. Uh, authority. Some people fear germs, you know, wash their hands all the time. Uh, sometimes fear of failure can control people. Uh, fear of commitment. Fear of closed spaces. Had a daughter who was overcoming that on our summer vacation as we did some uh, caving. Uh, we fear being laughed at. We, we fear people. We fear death. And the list of fears can go on and on, so much so that when I was looking at a list, there is even a fear called phobophobia. It's a fear of being afraid. And it's for real. There's somebody that really has that out there. You know, you might begin to think when you see how widespread fear is and how many fears there are, you might think, well, it's just natural. It's part of the natural condition of mankind to be afraid. And you would think that except for it does something very unnatural to us. Fear paralyzes us. It paralyzes us, and that is unnatural. It's like that girl on the sofa who couldn't move because of a spider. It can keep us, fear can keep us from doing what we are meant to do. You know, for some of us who don't like to admit that, that we fear, like myself, uh, you know, we'll say things like, well, I'm not really a fear first person. I'm more of an anger first person, you know, and you kind of sound tough when you say that, you know, and, uh, and, and whether, you know, that's true or not, or, and, 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 uh, and it may be true for, for others of you, but there are some other family members of fear that probably get to some of us who say that we're, we're not fear first, we're anger first. They're, the family members like worry, there's another family member called anxiety. And what worry and anxiety do is, is they run scenarios over and over in your mind. And what those scenarios do is, is they torment you. They torment you. And so what fear, worry, and anxiety do to us or what they can do to us is paralyze us and or torment us. And it creates indecision in us. It, it stifles our thinking so that we become impaired. And when our thinking is impaired, our actions become impaired because we think before we act most of the time. And, and we, so what happens is our, our life becomes stifled. We begin to stagnate. But God says he does not want us to live in fear. He does not want us to live a tormented and paralyzed life. In the Bible, the most repeated command, as Sue shared earlier, is do not be afraid. Our theme verse, Isaiah 41.10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God does not want you or me to be afraid. 
You know, the, this theme verse, Isaiah 41.10, when I think about it, the person in the Bible that comes to mind that most vividly illustrates this throughout his lifetime, not just in one moment, but throughout his lifetime, is the life of Joshua, the apprentice and mentoree of Moses who took up leadership after the death of Moses. See, Joshua is a man who chose faith over fear repeatedly over the course of his life. And in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, we see a moment where God is, is inaugurating Joshua into the leadership in place of Moses. And it's, it's here in this moment that we see these words spoken, hear these words. Listen to what God says to Joshua. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give the Israelites. I will give you every place you set your foot. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. Be strong and very courageous. Do not turn from the law to the right or to the left, that you may be successful in whatever you do, wherever you go. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God commands strength and courage. And at the same time, he actually commands to not be terrified and to not be discouraged. I mean, think about that. I command you, don't be afraid. How, how do you do that? I mean, we feel such victims of our fears. I mean, this is a total shock to our brains that we are commanded to not fear. I mean, how do you follow that command? I mean, how can you stand and say with the psalmist of Psalm 23, I will fear no evil? How do you say that and mean it? How do you follow that command? You know, it sounds like what the Bible is saying is that it has to be a choice. And I know with our modern minds, we, we, we find it hard to think that we have a choice to fear or not fear. But we do. We do. And the Bible makes it clear that we have a choice. We do not have to remain victims of fear, paralyzed and tormented, but we can choose faith. I remember a few weeks ago we, we talked about faith. It's not about the size of your faith, but it's about the size of what you put your faith in. And our faith is in God, and he's very large. He's very big. And the more that we know about our big God, the more our faith is strengthened. And so we got to choose faith, choose to fix our thoughts on what we know about God and what he said about himself. You see, let me tell you a little more about Joshua and how he chose faith over fear. If you go back 40 years before this moment when he's being inaugurated as, as leader of the Israelites, go back 40 years, Joshua is, is the, the military commander of the Israelites. And they've been led through the Red Sea. They've had to fight off a few enemies, a few armies. They've had some successes where God has supplied everything they need, defeated enemies for them, sometimes where they did not even have to lift a weapon but just stand there and be still. 
But there is a moment where God brings them to the edge of the land that was promised to Abraham and was going to be given to these people. And then they got to the edge, and Joshua is chosen among the leaders, among 12 people, to represent all the people of Israel. And these 12 leaders are to be spies and to go into the land and find out what's there, what it's like. Give us a report of what's going on. So they go out. And the 12 spies, they all have eyes that work. They all have, they, they function the same. They all look at the same things that the others have seen. But what 10 perceive is different than what two of the spies perceive. And when they come back, they come and tell about how the land is, is, is flowing with milk and honey, that it's, there's, it's fruitful. There's a story in numbers about how big some of the fruit was and how it was carried between two men on a pole. There's uh, stories of, the, uh, of how they reported the streams and the land is beautiful. The, the cities are fortified and the people are strong. And when they came and gave their report, there were ten that said, we will die by the sword. If we try to take this land, we'll be killed. Is that what we came here for? We did not come here just to die. This is crazy. These people are big. They will swallow us up. That's what 10 said. And then there were two. One who was Joshua. The other was Caleb. And they said, the Lord, the Lord will give us this land. Don't be afraid of these people. Look, their protection is gone. And the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid. Second time, spoken to the people. But the tank kept going, kept inciting fear in the people. And the people got worked up and they were so afraid. They were so afraid. They said, we're not going to follow you, Joshua, Caleb, Moses, and Aaron. We're not going to follow you into this land. In fact, they began to pick up stones, and they were ready to stone Joshua, Caleb, Moses, and Aaron. But the Lord at this moment, as he had done at other times for Moses and the leadership, intervened. It says the glory of the Lord came down in Numbers 14. And these are the words that were first spoken by God to the people. Listen to this. Listen what's spoken to a people who are afraid. How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the great things I've done for them? God goes on to tell the Israelites that they've done this ten times before already, disobeying God because of paralyzing fear. And he uses the word contempt and disbelief. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought these people were afraid. What was happening was a choice, fear or faith. And at that moment, for them to choose fear was showing contempt and disbelief. Uh, that, this is just a wow moment in the scriptures. I mean, this totally flips things around in the way we view and think about fear. I mean, have you ever thought about your paralyzing fear or your tormenting worry? Think about it now. What is that? What, what is the worry that you play over and over in your mind? What is the fear? Think about that now and think, is that something that is really, when you choose those fears, is that contempt for the Lord? Is it disbelief in God? 
for the Israelites, it was true enough. I mean, think about it in their situation. They saw the strength of the people in the land. They saw their own size and their own weakness. And they said, this is a suicide mission. We are not going in here. No way. And so those are the, things that, those were the only things that they would take into consideration. But see, at that moment, what they were doing is they were re refusing to take in some other factors into consideration. One factor was that God had promised this land to them. The second factor, the other factor, was that God said he would be with them. And that's what they were showing contempt for. That's what they were showing disbelief. They refused to acknowledge God and that God was with them. So move forward 40 years. The Israelites had to wander through the desert. They didn't get to enter into the promised land. In 40 years, God said, there's a generation that's going to die and pass away. Only those 20 and under are going to enter into the promised land after 40 years, along with Joshua and Caleb. They were rewarded for their faith, the way they chose faith over their fear. And so we come 40 years later, and Joshua is standing here before God. Moses has died. He's now about to assume leadership. And God commands Joshua to be strong and courageous. You know, the Hebrew word for strong refers to strong legs, standing firm upon. The word for courage, the Hebrew word, refers to having a secure grasp. You know, in leading these people that were afraid, Joshua, whose name means God saves, was going to have to stand firm that God had promised, had promised this land to them. He was going to have to have a secure grasp on the fact that God said, I will be with you. Just as he had done 40 years earlier when his word was against 10 others who said it couldn't be done. Joshua stood firm on the promise to lead the people who were afraid. Joshua himself was going to have to overcome fear by having strong legs and a secure grasp that God was with him. When, when I think of those words and I think of that stance, I think of that song, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Folks, there's nothing else to stand on. There's nothing else that we can grasp that will help us overcome fear, to choose faith instead. It is only Jesus Christ, the one who is strong enough to make our legs strong, the only one that we can grasp upon. You know, Joshua, in that moment, when God was inaugurating him as leader, Joshua could have just kept replaying all the bad scenarios of the past 40 years. There were more. I mean, there were mo moments when the, when the people complained and said, hey, we're going back to Egypt. We're going to forget you, Moses. Even Moses' uh, brother and sister opposed him at one point, said, why can't we be leaders? You think you're so hot and mighty? And then there was uh, just repeated over and over. And so there were these moments. I'm sure Joshua could have replayed in his mind. He's like, what am I getting myself into? I, I saw what Moses went through. You want me to stand in that place and lead these people? We tried this once before. We tried going into the promised land. It did, these people did not want to go. He could have kept replaying that, the bad scenarios, over and over in his mind. 
He could have been tormented and paralyzed so that he himself wouldn't have led the people as God commanded. And I think that's why Josh, God tells Joshua three times in one short conversation, three times, be strong and courageous. I think it's why he tells Joshua twice in that same conversation that he will be with him. I think it's why God tells Joshua in that same conversation twice that the land is promise to him and the Israelites. God was telling Joshua what he could hang on to, what he could stand firm upon. So, folks, when it comes to us, when it comes to your fears, my fears, has our thinking become so stifled that we are only fixated on one thing, what we fear? And are we repeating the worst scenarios over and over? We have got to choose faith instead. And we've got to choose to think about the Lord and think about what he has promised to us. Isn't it in First Peter where it says that he's given us his great precious promises so that we might have everything we need for life and godliness? Let me, uh, let me just, just try to bring an example of, of, of this. And, and while I do this, uh, Nate and the band, you guys can come on up here. Uh, a fear that maybe some of us have, um, maybe some of us don't, uh, the fear of speaking about our faith. You know, some people, it's like, I mean, you're shaking in your boots when you think about that. And, and there's others of us, it's just like, you know, just it flows. It just flows right out of us. And there's moments where you feel, you sense that the Lord is telling you, you need to say something about me to this person at work, this neighbor, or uh, this family member. And, and I know that, you know, our brains are like, hey, you know what? You must not understand the social implications of mentioning the name of Jesus in this day and age and in this city and how it can ostracize you and put you on the outside of social circles. Don't you know that that is social suicide? I do understand. I think the Lord says to us, I understand. But the thing is, we have to choose to fix our mind on some different things. I fix my mind on two, two things. One, that God is with me, and that the name of Jesus in the mouth of someone who has love in their hearts is powerful. Fear tells me that sharing my faith is, is going to go bad. Faith tells me that God's Spirit will guide me and tell me what to say and how to say it and when to say it. And God's Spirit tells me that when I am motivated by a sincere love, that when I speak Jesus' name, that there will be powerful effect. You know, in the Bible, there is a story in Acts where there were some men who tried to use Jesus' name, even though they didn't believe in him. They just want the effect. There were some bad things that happened to those fellows. The Bible also talks about love, how perfect love drives out fear. First John. Romans talks about a sincere love. Romans 12 talks about that sincere love, and in the words that used there of insincere is, is uh, it's an example of the pot with cracks in it and the, this, the market guy trying to put wax in it and paint over it and then sell it. That's insincere. And so we're told to have instead a sincere hold of, an honest love. 
And I still believe in the power of Jesus' name. That there is power in his name. That it does something when we speak it in faith and in love. And when we trust that name ourselves. You see, Jesus is the one who has strong enough legs to hold you up when you're weak and fearful. Jesus is the one who has a firm grasp on you. Again, remember that picture? Holding the lantern, holding the girl. Her feet on his. He's got a firm grasp on you. And I just want to say, if God is with you, whom do we have to be afraid of? No one. No one. Fear no evil. Do not be afraid. Choose faith, not contempt for the things God has said to us and promised to us. Don't choose disbelief, but instead choose belief and trust what you know about God and what he said about himself. Have strong legs and stand firm upon what God has told you about himself. Get a firm grasp upon his promises and especially hang on to his words. I will be with you to the very end. I will be with you to the very end. What I'd like us to do right now, I'd like us to stand together and I'd like us to say those words that the psalmist said, I will fear no evil. The words that remind us about our good God and who he is and what he'll do for us as a good shepherd. So let's say this together from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Do not be afraid.